going to be sharing with you uh, this morning from Ezekiel chapter 34. Before we do that, I um, just want to make a statement, which I don't do very often, uh, about political events that are taking place in our country. Um, actually, Ezekiel 34 talks a little bit about it. it talks about uh, the shepherds, the leadership that lead their people astray. There are political events taking place in our country, California particularly, laws being passed, and um, how should that affect us? Well, if we're actually walking with the Lord and doing what He's called us to do, it shouldn't affect us at all. If you read through the book of Acts, um, when the laws were not in favor, and when persecution was ramping up, uh, these men were actually confronted with um, consequences that were more severe than any that we've had so far in this country. They were beaten and commanded by the authorities not to speak anymore in the name of Christ. What was their response? They went out rejoicing praising God that they were considered worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And then they got on their knees and they prayed. And what they prayed is, Lord, you see their threats? Give us courage and strength to be what you've called us to be. And they got up and got on with the witness. And that's what we're called to do. What we were called to do before the laws were contrary. To be the witness of God. And that did not change. And when those people, knowing the cost was going to be a little higher now, willing to pay that cost, got on their knees and prayed not for vengeance, not for retribution, not for any of that stuff. They prayed, God, you see the threats? Give us courage and strength and grace to go on with the witness. And the place was shaken because that's God's heart. They can pass all the laws they want to they cannot affect your heart. And they cannot affect how you express it. And that's what we're called to do. Be what God has called us to be. Be the church and stand up. The laws don't make any difference as far as that is concerned. There may be more consequences. But the call and the anointing, the gifts as well as the calling of God, he doesn't change his mind. So as the days get dark, that means the light shines brighter. That's all it means. So we're in Ezekiel chapter 34. And in Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. And he tells him to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. The shepherds are the religious and civil leaders. And what he's condemning them for is what takes place in politics all the time. Uh, they're taking care of themselves at the expense of the sheep. So, you know, they're going to give themselves a pay raise to make sure that their expenses are covered and make sure they are, have a life, uh, very comfortable lifestyle um, and raise your taxes to do it. You know, I mean, that's just the way governments work. There's nothing unusual or anything different about that. That's just the way politics and government is. It's not right because in God's economy, 
Uh, power and authority is given for one thing only, and that's for service. That's what it's for. So there's a condemnation here, and the condemnation is that because of that, because of the response of the leadership, God's people were scattered as if there was no shepherd. Moses is concerned about this way back in Numbers 27. It's about time for him to depart. And he's praying that God would provide a a godly successor to him so that the people would not be sheep without a shepherd. And God faithfully did that, provided a a good one, provided Joshua. So Numbers... 1 Kings 22, 2 Chronicles 18, Ezekiel 34, Zechariah 10, Matthew 9, Mark 6. These are a few of the places in Scripture, Old and New Testaments, where it talks about God's people are like sheep without a shepherd. And so it's a a thing that happens often. And one of the things that um, motivated Jesus was... He had compassion on the crowds that came out because they were like sheep without a shepherd, which is an astonishing statement in Jesus' day. The temple was there. The priesthood was there. The sacrifices were going on every single day. Um, Every village that had at least 10 men in it had a synagogue in it. Every one. 10 men, you had a synagogue. There were all kinds of religious leaders, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. Um, You had people like the Essenes. There was religious people. It was a religious society. And yet, God's people were like sheep without a shepherd. So what's God's response? And I'm starting with verse 11. Well, first of all, let me back up to verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. That's a pretty good promise. And then he says, verse 11, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So God becomes the shepherd. 
And he has been that all along. Way back in Genesis, this is one of the things that Jacob said when he, as he was blessing Joseph's sons. He talks about God who had been his shepherd all his long life long. And I think it's from that that David got his inspiration for Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have to be in want for anything. And he talks about um, God's provision and God's protection and God's presence most of all. Even though he has to walk through valleys of death. That doesn't mean he didn't have to go there. He does. He's still going to walk through that valley. But he's not walking through it alone. And he's walking through it with courage and grace and peace. Because he's not alone. And God will be there to sustain him and watch over him. I think this is also the Old Testament background for Jesus being the fulfillment here of Ezekiel 34. In John chapter 10, you know, Jesus talks about this very same thing. And as he looks out over people who are scattered, he identifies himself as the good shepherd. says it twice. And he says, not only that... Um, He's the door of the sheepfold. So he's the way of access, but he's also the shepherd. And he repeatedly says in verse 5, verse 8, verse 14, verse 16, and verses 27 through 30, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. If you're a sheep and you belong to the shepherd, you know who your shepherd is. And you know his voice, and you know his voice distinct from any other voice that's, that's going to, that you're going to hear. And you'll hear a lot. But the sheep, they know who their one who provides and protects them is. As a Christian, I'm asking, do you know the voice of the shepherd? Also says that they follow him wherever he leads, and they do not follow anybody else. So I ask you and I ask myself, who are we following today? Because we're following somebody. The Good Shepherd. So he tells us very plainly, I am the door of the sheep, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And here's how you know who the good shepherds are. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so you contrast him with the shepherds talked about in Ezekiel 34. And you see the great difference. I am the good shepherd. 
I lay down my life for the sheep. The hired hand doesn't care about, he's not a shepherd, he's just a hired hand. He doesn't own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves them because he's a hired hand. The wolf comes in and scatters them. He doesn't care, it's not his sheep. But again, second time, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you know the Lord this morning? Do you know his voice? Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He just said, He's the good shepherd. He knows us, and we know him just as he knows the Father. Do we know the Lord in that way? I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, third time, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So our prayer, whatever the future holds politically in this country, is the same prayer that Jesus prays. Father, glorify your name. Whatever that means. By whatever means necessary. So that's our prayer. Father, glorify your name. So in Ezekiel 34, God is saying that he is coming in judgment. And the judgment's going to be on those who don't know him and the leaders who lead them astray. That's where the judgment is coming from. And we're comfortable with that, aren't we? So, um, you know, oftentimes in the church, we get very comfortable in our salvation. Because we know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can come between us and Him. And through the, the grace and mercy and the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we are more than conquerors. So we don't have to live in fear of anything or anyone. No fear. And so we feel pretty comfortable and pretty secure. But uh, one of the things that Scripture tells us Old and New Testaments. Peter talks about it in context of the church. Judgment begins. Judgment begins at the household of God. So this is where the judgment will begin, right here, at the household of God. And uh, as you see there in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, uh, before God judges the nations of the world, he comes and cleans house in Jerusalem. And there is an accounting. So in the midst of God telling us he's going to seek us out, he seeks us out for the purpose of justice. And judgment is not always a negative thing. It could be a judgment in your favor. Can't it? Let's pick up in Ezekiel 34 though. As for you, my flock, 
Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep. Now, we're all very comfortable with uh, Matthew chapter 25, isn't it? You know, Matthew 25, that's the one that talks about uh, the sheep and the goats. God's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And if you're a sheep, that's good news. If you're a goat, that's not so good. So, but I want to ask, if there was a contest between a sheep and a goat, just in terms of survival, which one would survive? The goat, because he's self-sufficient. The sheep is dependent on a shepherd. And, you know, we kind of go through our lives that way, don't we? We're either dependent upon God and following Him, or we're on our own, doing it ourselves. Thank you very much. I don't need your help. Unless things get really, really desperate, and then I need you. And I don't want you around until I need you. Napoleon Bonaparte, you can say what you will about him, but he made a very honest statement. He said, I like men who are useful to me and only as long as they are useful to me. Many of us live that kind of life. We use people so that we can love things. And we're supposed to love people and use things. We get it backwards every time. So in the, parable, in the parable that Jesus told, Matthew 25, what is the judgment between the sheep and the goats? It's how they treat each other. You go through that long list. I was hungry. I was naked. I was a stranger. I was in prison. I was sick. Uh, you know, uh, all of these things. And the people are judged on how they've responded to the needs of their fellow person. Jesus said all the law and all the commandments of God can be summed up in two things. Number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. He said all the law and prophets is summed up in these two things. And if you can do these two things well, you don't have to worry about anything. Love God and love each other. And we find that so hard to do. But that was the difference between the sheep and the goats. Now, though, in Ezekiel 34, he's saying, okay, we've dealt with the goats. Now, there's going to be a judgment among the sheep. Among the sheep. This is very New Testament as well. Um, Paul talks about a judgment that we're going to give an account for the gifts that God has given to us and what we've done with them. Everyone who receives from God and every single person alive has received from him is accountable for what he or she has received. One person may only receive one thing that they can do well, and that's okay. Then we're responsible to God to do that one thing well. Other people can do a bunch of things well. That's great, but now you're responsible for a bunch of things doing well. And it's just, that's just the way God's economy works. To whom much is given, much is required. So God says in Ezekiel 34, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, 
And in the next few verses, he's going to say it three different times. I will judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Now, he's talking to the sheep now, right? Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and a drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? All things are possible for me. I can do anything I want because I'm under grace, not under law. That's true. But you are accountable for the grace that you've received. It's a free gift. But once you receive it, then you're accountable for what you do with it. I'm free, okay? You're free. How are you going to use your freedom? You can go back into slavery if you want to because you're free to do that. You can feast at God's banqueting table or you can go back to your vomit. You are free to do that because God has set you free. But you're accountable for what you do with that freedom because the freedom has come at a price. And it's a price that you and I did not and cannot pay. And Paul writes repeatedly to the churches and he says, don't you know that your body, your physical body is not your own? You didn't make yourself and you are accountable to the one who did. You have been bought with a price, Paul says. Therefore, honor God with your body. He's not asking for your money. He's asking for your soul and your body. So we can get mad at the um, lawgivers and things for changing the law, saying you're not supposed to read this or can't meet here. But how are we living? How are we using our bodies? If we are abusing, if we're doing things that we know is not right before God, we have no right to criticize anybody else. You have no right to criticize anybody else if we are not walking in the presence of the Lord. And God will judge between sheep and sheep. So there's at least 40 different churches in this town. Forty. Some of them are very small. A couple of them are, are pretty good size. Uh, these are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are part of one body. The shepherd says, I've got a bunch of sheep and I've got a lot of different sheep folds. But there's only one shepherd. So we shouldn't be throwing stones but our Christian brothers and neighbors. Verse 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, talking to the sheep, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Uh-oh. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till they have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. A lot of people today 
are not Christians because they've been damaged. They've been judged, condemned, abused by the church. The church has a lot to pay for, a lot to answer for before God. This is what he's talking about. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I the Lord will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I the Lord have spoken. And so in Jesus, the son of David, we see the fulfillment. Jesus coming, seeing people that are in such great need with longings and emptiness, with sins that they don't know how to deal with and how to get rid of. And Jesus comes and sees them as sheep without a shepherd and he comes looking. He's condemned for that because he's spending time with people that you shouldn't be spending time with. And Jesus said, that's the whole reason I'm here. And if you're a Christian, it's the only reason that you are. It's because Jesus came looking for you and for me. And by his grace and his mercy and his love, he's found us. So judgment begins at the household of God. It's one of the reasons why Jesus came to the Jews. Um, they're the chosen people. And he's come and, you know, he says, well, what advantage does a Jew have over anybody else? Well, Paul talks about it in Romans. But again, it's this thing about to whom much is given, much is required. So in Romans chapter 3, he says, what advantage has the Jew? He says, much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God, the revelation of who he was. And then in chapter 9, starting with verse 4, Paul says, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, from their race, according to the flesh, is Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. So to whom much is given, much is required. And so this is why they came under such condemnation in Jesus' day. Because they had been given and trusted all of these things. And yet when Jesus walked among him, them, they killed him. They opposed him. They hated him. And they did everything in their power to destroy him. So Peter writes to the church and says, well, that's what the Jews did. Uh, how about us as Christians? We've got everything that they had plus a whole lot more. We know who Jesus is. And we know that the Holy Spirit's been poured out upon all flesh, something that the Old Testament did not know. And we've received, and we've been blessed. So we are more accountable than the people of the Old Testament. Have we done any better than them? So that's why Jesus came first to the Jews. Paul also 
went to the Jews first before going to the Gentiles. And as you read through his letters, he says, by your response, he's writing to his fellow countrymen, you have deemed yourself unworthy to receive the gospel. By your response. Therefore, I'll go to the Gentiles because they will hear gladly. And they did, and they do, and they still do to this day. It's an incredible thing to see that happen. You go into a village that's never in this day heard the gospel. It's preached once and people get saved. A bunch. It has a total commitment for them. So Paul goes to the Jews first and then when God begins judgment it begins at the house of God. Now oftentimes that's the end of the sermon, right? That's not the end of the message. So in Ezekiel chapter 34, we're in verse 25. He says he's going to gather them together. He's going to judge, make the judgment on the authorities that have attacked them. Then there's a judgment upon the sheep themselves. And then... I will make with them a covenant of peace and banished wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will send down the showers in their seasons. They shall be showers of blessing. This is where the song comes from. It's the new covenant through the blood of Christ that brings peace. And then God says, my people. Did you hear what he said? I will make them a blessing. That's what he called Abraham to be. You will be a blessing. All nations of the earth will be blessed through you. You are the vehicle of God's blessings to everyone around you. And you are either a messenger of blessing or a messenger of a curse. And we are called to be people of blessing. We are not people who curse. Even people who are opposed to us, we are not people who curse. And God says, I will make them a blessing and I will send showers upon them and this shower is not rain. This is showers of blessings. Trees of the field shall yield their fruit. The earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure in their land. They shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke. Deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. It could be a bondage within our own heart and life from which he sets us free. They shall no more be a prey to the nations. And he goes on, I will provide for them. They shall no more be consumed with hunger, no longer suffer the reproach of the nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. So he's not talking about animals in this whole chapter. He's talking about you 
and me. You, God says, are my sheep, human sheep of my pastures. I am your God, declares the Lord God. The final word from God on people as a group is never judgment. Judgment is a means to an end. And for those who will allow the judgment to take place in their heart, the result is blessing. Not just the little one. Showers, showers of blessing. And that's what Jesus has come to give us. So are you living in a desert? Inside? Is there a desert? Or is there springs of living water like an artesian well that springs up and gives life to you and everybody that you're around? So we are one or the other. Jesus invites us into the spring. So as we go to the communion, in the book of Isaiah starts off with God's grief. And in chapter 1, he makes this astounding statement. As Christians, I want us to hear this anew and afresh this morning. God says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. He's calling heaven and earth to be his witnesses. Children I have reared up and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they will follow me and they won't follow anybody else. So are we any better than the ox or the donkey in Isaiah's day? Are we the children of the Lord who don't realize and know the voice of our God? Don't understand his presence and are being led astray by people who do not have our good at their best interest? That's the, that's the question. And so in Isaiah 53, he makes this statement. All we... All of us, every single one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his or her own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that's why he's come. To help us understand that we are the sheep of his pasture and he it is who has made us and not we ourselves. And so Jesus came as the good shepherd looking for us, his sheep, because we've all gone astray. We've all rebelled. We've all done things our own way. Some of us are very proud of the fact that we've done things our way. You know, you can be like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Yeah. <laughs> a wreck you made of his life. <laughs> and that's the, that's the theme song of most of us. 
And so in the wreckage, um, in the pit, with all the briars and the mud and, and the thorns, we hear a voice. It's a good shepherd who loves us and he's come looking for us. If you will hear his voice, he will come to you and pull you out of the pit that you're in. But it's a choice. You can stop your ears, you can run away because he's given you the dignity of being created in his image with responsibility. That means ability to respond. And so Jesus, while we were yet sinners, Paul says, while we were still in our rebellion, came looking for us and died on the cross for us before we ever had any inclination to serve him or acknowledge him in any way. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. After supper, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, each of you drink from this cup. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. For the, for, it's shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus is coming, seeking the lost. This is the new covenant of peace that Ezekiel talked about in chapter 34. It's the source, the fountainhead of every blessing that we've received. And so Jesus invites us to come and receive from him. We can do that this morning. And he invites us to come and acknowledge that we belong to him, to ask him to open our ears and soften our hearts that we might uh, hear his voice anew and afresh and follow him. Because once you hear his voice, you will recognize it because he's been calling you all your life. So we uh, believe in open communion here. If you're visiting here, you are welcome to participate. It's Christ who died. It's his grace that we partake of. We're all sinners saved by grace. And so we come on an equal basis before the Lord this morning with our need, with our emptiness, with our failures, but also with our joys, with our victories, um, with the success that God has given to us. We bring those to him as well. And we lay them at his feet. So um, there will also be people that would be willing to pray with you if you want someone to pray with you about anything. And so um, we invite you to participate as you choose. Don't feel pressured. Um, so it's between you and the Lord. You can come or not. That's between, that's between you and the Lord. But you're welcome. Um, so will those who are serving communion please come forward?